0: You're listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. Good morning, guys and welcome to another episode of review and preview i'm your host hank and joined alongside the og the founder of review and preview johnny montalbano johnny how's it going hey hank i'm i'm doing all right it's
1: great to be on with you uh, i have to admit i was getting a little uh depressed and upset when i saw some of those baseball clips to uh start the open but uh it's great to be on with you and i'm, I'm doing all
0: right oh you're telling me me too it's really tough right about now I should be ready to like get home watch those day games in Tampa Bay with the Yankees but you know what Rob Manford happened so unfortunately that's going to happen and don't worry folks we will be ranting about that very very shortly but before we get into that I'd like to give you guys a friendly neighborhood reminder if you want to follow us on all of our social medias you can find us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter at Review and Preview Sports And, of course, if you're watching us on YouTube, please don't forget to hit that big red button down below. Give us a like. Give us a comment. We want to hear from you guys. All comments are welcome. We have a good amount of stuff to talk about, although we will probably only be on for, like, about an hour, hour and a half. But in any event, I'm excited. I am heated. I am ready to let it all out. And, Johnny, I don't know about you, but to say that I am absolutely furious with the way these contract talks have been going for the MLB lockout would be the understatement of the year I mean look let's be real you knew that this was you and I both knew that this was gonna this was eminent back in like say 2020 when when they had to like delay the season because of all the COVID stuff we knew back then that there were problems but for them to wait it out until like march to even discuss the fact that there was a problem with the cba that does not sit too well with me at all and johnny let me give you your t- let me hear your take on this
1: yeah hank i think you said it best there we really could we really could just flash back to the covid year of 2020 and the way that those negotiations were handled when they could not even negotiate functionally that year to even get a 60-game season, you know, in the middle of a pandemic when a lot of the country was struggling and really needed something to, you know, forget about it. And these guys were complaining that they wanted their full salaries. And the way that that was whole handled, you, you, you look back then, and that was just a precursor of this past week. And like you said, I'm, I'm livid. It's now been over 24 hours since the news broke when Manfred came out and announced that the first two series of the year have been canceled. Um, I'm still, you know, I'm glad we didn't do the show yesterday because I think right on the spot there I would have been blown to smithereens. And granted, 24-plus hours later, I don't feel much better, but I also don't feel surprised about it either, like I said, because this has now been two years plus in the making. I just wish, you know, there's so many things to talk about with this, whether it's been the optics, whether it's been – You know, people will choose a side. They'll choose, you know, the owner's side or the player's side or Manfred's side or whatnot. I blame them all because, you know, this this comes down to, you know, these guys just, you know, the way it was all handled, you know, 42 days after the season, you wait to get to finally put an offer out and negotiate and stuff like that. And then you hold off until the week that spring training games were going to start to actually have meetings and then you go down to Florida and have these meetings and you don't show any sign of desperation until maybe the last day. You, you don't show any sign of desperation really until the week that spring training games are supposed to start. And you wait until the day of the actual first deadline to have a marathon session. I mean, you can't be surprised that we're at this. And I don't think this is going to get better. The first week of games being canceled, that's if they go to the negotiating table tomorrow and actually hammer out a deal. And the sides—the only thing that these two these two sides agreed on was were, were things that were are going to alter the game forever: universal DH, expanded playoff, you know, um, draft lottery, uh, the draft the draft lottery for, te- for teams that tank. I mean, it's it's awful. I, nothing baseball wise that's really legitimate, really came out of these. And I think that these sides, you know, they can't agree on what the sky color is. You think they're going to agree um, uh, on this stuff? I, I, I think this is only going to get worse. I think if you're playing baseball by May, you, you'd you be fortunate. But I've said this before. I'll say to you and to this audience even if these guys agreed on a deal and we were playing a full 162-game season this year, the damage to the sport is done. And that's not even to talk about the stuff that's on the field. Whether it's, you know, all these rule changes, the way the game is played now, the dreaded A-word that's not only taken over baseball, but in some ways almost all of sports analytics. <sighs> it's it's awful, it's frustrating, it's depressing. I'm glad we're here to talk about it because it actually, it makes it feel a little bit better that we can at least talk about it because if we don't talk about it, it hurts that much more, Hank.
0: Yes. Yeah. No, I I completely agree. And believe me, like, I think when you really look at the whole tenure of Rob Manfred, it's not that surprising to see why baseball has reached the point that it's reached. I can give you a list of things probably on more than two hands of all the wrong things that Rob Manford has done. I mean, it's bad enough that since he's become commissioner, he really hasn't done enough to grow the game of baseball. And I mean, look, I get it. People have their problems with baseball. It's a slow sport. It's too boring. Yada, yada, yada. Well, if you really look past it, baseball is one of those games that is pretty special. And you really read between the lines. It's a lot of fun to watch. Like, yeah, maybe it is slow. But you know what? At the end of the day, you're guaranteed a winner and a loser. There, It's, yeah. it's a different sport than usual because the defense has the ball. There is no game clock. And you know what? Maybe that's not necessarily, such, not necessarily such a bad thing. I just think you have to really look in. I think baseball is a sport that really can be appreciated. But. This is a guy that hasn't really done a lot done such a great job like allowing the game to grow like I could talk about the way that games are streamed like but that's that's like a whole different tangent but like at the end of the day you don't see a lot of stars marketed and with with all that factored in I think that's probably another reason why this game is going to suffer a lot of irreparable damage and not to mention this is the same guy who completely botched the handling of the Houston Astros a year before all the talks happened. This guy like didn't really, regardless of what, where your status is about what he did in the punishments of the Houston Astros, him calling the world series trophy, a piece of tin. What a joke.
1: Absolutely.
0: that. That
1: Astros scandal is going to haunt him for the rest of his tenure as commissioner. And you made another great point about the marketing. I mean, you have Mike Trout, who's been one of the best players in the sport. I mean, he came out with an Instagram post today. It was the most that we talked about that I had heard about Mike Trout in years. And, you know, you have a player also in L.A. Same same thing. West Coast, I understand. For us on the East Coast, that's difficult for us to stay up that late and watch a West Coast baseball game. But you have Mike Trout, who's an unbelie- who's a great player. I know he's been hampered by injuries, but when he was out there, he was putting up unbelievable numbers. You have a two-way player in Shohei Otani who is one of the best stories, not only in baseball, but in sports for what he could do. And nobody's really hearing much about him unless, you know, you have that, that, that uh, story from ESPN with Stephen A. Smith or – if you're a big video game person and you realize that Shohei Otani is going to be on the face of MLB 22, the show this year, that's how you know about him. And also, if you want to play, a, if you want a full 162 game season, folks, go play MLB 22, the show, because that's the only way you're going to get a full season this year. But, yeah, hit, the marketing has been bad. The thing that, you know, these rule changes that they've made to the game, whether it's to try and speed up the game, which is not really working at
0: all. It's the pitch clock does nothing. And hasn't hasn't
1: been implemented yet? Really? I mean, I've heard about it in the minor leagues, and I've heard about them talking it in the major leagues. But they're talking, but they keep talking about that. But that's not going to really do anything, you know. Limiting the, the amount of times that a manager or or a uh, pitching coach or a coach in general can visit the mound that's not going to do anything. Then they were he was talking about it in his in his press conference yesterday. He was talking about how they were trying to t- about elim- talk about eliminating the shift. You don't eliminate the shift. If you don't ban the shift, beat it. What is – when I talk – you know, I saw Joey Gallo. You know, here's a good story for the Yankee fan here. I, I saw Joey Gallo talk about the the shift uh, earlier uh, last week, and he was talking about eliminating the shift. I'm like, Joey, your number one job in baseball is to get on base. It's not to hit a home run. And I get that these players are getting paid for hitting to hit home runs, which is a joke, and the player's salaries, that's a whole other thing but your number one job in baseball is to get on base. So if you bunt down the third baseline, if you go the other way, when the shift is happening, you know what teams are going to do. They're not going to shift on you anymore. And that'll be a manual ban of the shift. Don't force and make it a rule that you could ban it. It's ridiculous. I mean, that, I mean, there's so many other things that we could do, you know, the extra inning rule, which is you know, turn, turn away the older generation of fans. It, there's so many things, and yeah, of course, you know, insulting the World Series trophy, and then you're talking about expanded playoffs. I mean, you want to play the World Series into the middle of November? You'll turn off the fan base, be a ton, of, a fun, ton of fans too, because by the middle of November, I'm sorry, everybody's focused on football.
0: Here's my thing with regard to expanded to the expanded playoffs. I never had a problem with the wild card game. Let's say I were like maybe 20, 30 years older than I am, and I was old enough to remember when the wild card was introduced in the mid 90s. I don't know that I would have had a problem because you only really would have added just a few extra teams and one extra round in the playoffs. You wouldn't really have like too many things going on. The wild card, I was a little skeptical at first, but you know what? It made me realize at least then. Team still had to earn making the division series because then the wild card game, you know, is essentially a mystery box. I mean, you're either facing a team you match up well against or, so, or you're doing really good, go, go, do, doing really well during the season. And you have to face somebody else's ACE and poof, season's over all because you can win that, win that division. I have not, I don't have a problem with the current playoff formatting of baseball. In fact, I would say the wild card format, actually kind of grew on me, even though I will admit it is kind of unfair for that one team who won all those games only to have to play like say an 83 win team that has, let's say a Max Scherzer. I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying any team in particular. I'm just being hypothetical. I I get it. But like, so yeah, that's not a problem. But then once you reach 10 teams in the playoffs overkill, absolutely overkill because let's look at standings from years past let's say we started this whole this whole like 12 12 team playoff in say 2014 15 or 16 i can't remember who exactly it was but there was i believe there was one year where there was a 71 nine win angels team that would have qualified for the playoffs do you really want mediocre teams falling in the bottom in the playoffs no absolutely not that that's waters down the whole thing like you play 162 two games for a reason having 12 teams in the playoffs defeats the purpose of such a long regular season in my opinion i
1: agree and i'll compare this to football for a moment look at this past year with the extra wild with the extra wild card teams that got into the playoffs in the nfl And, you know, people were saying, you know, oh, well, we're going to have quantity and quantity is going to be great. I think what you learned is quality is better than quantity. You've seen that in the NFL. I think you're going to see that in college football because they've talked for a couple of years now about expanding the playoff, the college football playoff. And that has not happened. So those those sports actually are prime examples of why you should not be expanding the playoffs, especially in a sport. That's already in some ways too long at 162 games, and if you do expand, I mean, what are you what are you going to do? Are you going to shorten these postseason series, or are you going to do? Are you going to still keep the same series to the point, like I said, you're going to be playing the World Series in early to middle of November, and by then, if your team's not in it, you're on the NFL because that's when the NFL really peaks is in November. It's the month of decision. So that. I can't believe that that's the one air one of the few areas that both sides were able to agree on was they wanted expanded playoffs. Universal DH look, that's something that I think was inevitable, yeah. So, and I kind of don't have a problem with that. I do like the fact that it creates for more strategy with deciding if you need to pinch it for the pitcher, but mm-hmm. I get that these guys don't want pitchers to get hurt. I mean, you saw that with Jacob DeGrom, I think it really goes back. Hank, this is a perfect example for us. Oh, really I, I, know where you're going. You're go- I think it goes back to the days of Chen Ming Wang in he- 2008,
0: Yankees versus Astros. I remember right. that very and well. He-
1: and you know what the crazy thing was about that is after that injury, he never was the same pitcher ever again. So yes. I-, I think it goes back to then. And they don't want these pitchers to get hurt. And look, if you have a great hitting pitcher, you know what? Stick him in the outfield or stick him as the DH. You can yeah. do that. So I think the university H, I actually don't really have much of a problem with that. That's actually one of the only things I think I agree on with everybody, but all this other stuff, I mean, the draft pick for teams that are tanking. Look, I don't, I don't think baseball teams tank. If you're bad, you're bad. If you have a bad pitching staff, you have a bad pitching staff. You're not tanking. I mean, like the, either the Baltimore Orioles or, or whoever else who have a bad pitching staff. I mean, if you're bad, you're bad. So I don't really know about that, but, it's just between all that and then all this, this new stuff and then all this stuff about analytics and now the way these guys pitch. I mean, they don't go complete games. The new thing now in baseball is forget pitch count. It's now they don't want these starting pitches to go third time through the order. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going off on a tangent here, but that's, this is another thing I'm talking about that I have a major problem with baseball. If you mean to tell me that, these, that you're going to – let's say they even go back to the table tomorrow and they have an agreement. You're going to tell me that these guys are going to be able to ramp up in four weeks to the point where on opening day, my starting pitcher is only going to be able to go four or five innings because he's not fully ramped up. The product is going to be affected on opening day. It's it's so bad. and It's just, you know, I can continue to go on and on and on, but it's just – it's a broken record. It's been years in the making.
0: First off, I agree with your, a lot of your points. I want to add to your DH point. I know a lot of people go on and off about it. I feel like it really depends on what league your team is as to what side you're on for the designated hitter argument. But I'm going to straight up say this and take my Yankees fandom out of the equation for what I'm about to say. The D- universal DH was long overdue. I'm sorry. I know National League fans are going to cry and complain, oh, the pitcher's batting makes the NL more DH, Yada yada yada. Do we, did we forget that that almost happened in the, that this rule almost happened in the mid 80s and the early 90s? You're lucky you got to see guys like Jacob DeGrand, the Jacob DeGrands, the Carlos Zambranos. Heck, even Jason Marquis and Dontrell Willis's hit grand slams or home runs in their careers. You're lucky you got to see some of these pitchers rake. This, this rule should have been, should have been like in place a while ago. And the reason I say that, imagine if, if the NFC and the AFC did kickoffs on different yard lines, does that make sense? Why would you have two different rules for two different leagues when it's both major league baseball? This rule was long overdue. I'm totally fine with that. Everything else. I completely agree with you. Like it's just, it's, it's really, really ridiculous how like you have the whole reliance on analytics. And not to mention, there's also been that rule. I didn't even mention this in my Manfred, like, rule change thing. There's also the thing about the three batter minimum. I don't know about you, but I also hate that rule. It takes – it ruins the strategy of the Logie. You, you've you heard of the Logie, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Left-handed, one-out guy, essentially. Right. Think Boone Logan, basically what Lucas Litke would have been had that rule not been in place.
1: Mm-hmm. No. So – And they think that that's a speed up. That's something that speeds up the game. It doesn't speed up the game. It does not. I mean, if anything, it's going to have these guys, you know, put more men on base because they are not used to getting right-handed hitters out. I mean, there's very few days the days of like Mike Stanton or anybody who can get lefties and righties out. Those guys are not around much anymore. And really, I have no problem, you know, making all these different pitching changes and strategy. They. That was a rule that was also implemented thinking that it was going to speed up the game. And it's not. It, it, that was another rule that just I, I, made no sense to me.
0: Another thing I want to talk about with regards to the MLB lockout. In no way am I saying that the players are completely innocent because, trust me, they're not. The Players Association agreed to a lot of the rules that led up to this year. They're, in, they're by no means innocent. But to those who are on the outside looking in, can we can we stop pretending that this is an argument, that this is a whole war between billionaires versus millionaires? Have you looked at, for those of you who really think that, look at the salaries of a lot of the players. The Albert Pujols, the Mike Trouts, the Miguel Cabreras, those are actually contrary to the popular belief just a fraction of what of like the rich guys in the MLB more often than than not the average major leaguer will take some years paying off his dues struggling in minor league baseball. And by the way, the pay in minor league baseball is terrible. Let me put that out there right now because that's relevant to what I'm going to say. After all that hard work, struggling in the minors, you get to the majors and then maybe here and there, you bounce in and out one way or another. And then after five or six years, you end up losing your place. And then you're out of the game after a while. You may have a one-year, $1 million contract, but this isn't even including taxes and the amount of dues that guys are paying. So I feel bad for what the average, play- average player is who I generally feel bad for. In this circumstance,
1: that's a very fair point, and you know what? I have a minor league team that's 15 minutes away from where I live, the Myrtle Beach Pelicans, and I always think about that when I go to one of their games. And, yep. and you know what? If you want to go support that, this is your opportunity. Go support a minor league team. There was an Atlantic League team that announced earlier today that they actually are going to um, accept any um, tickets that of games that are canceled that you could you could. You can uh, exchange that ticket for a minor for one of their games. I have to look exactly. Somebody from the Atlantic League is that uh, that announced that earlier this morning. So, and let's also be fair too here for just a moment. Let's Mm -hmm. talk about who the real losers in in all this are. I mean, not only is it just the fans, but you know what? It's the employees. It's the people. It's the local restaurants and bars, and a lot of these places have still not really recovered from COVID. Back, back three years ago when, you know, when these stadiums were empty and then last year when they were still at either half capacity or whatnot, they, some of these places are still really struggling. And now those, those places are not going to be able to get, you know, that opening day crowd or that crowd even in April. Because, you know, there are places that will still sell out in April, like at Wrigley Field or Fenway Park. Right. Uh, they, they'll sell out in April because of the fans they have there. But mm-hmm. it's, you know, all the local businesses, it's the workers, it's, you know, I'll even say this too, it's the broadcast teams because some of these broadcast teams, that's what they do for a living. It's 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 that one sport. I understand the play-by-play announcers, a lot of them do other sports and stuff, but it's them. It's the people that are covering the sport because maybe that's the only sport that they cover, whether it's the newspaper, whether it's for TV, radio, newspaper or whatnot. They're, they lose in all of this. Uh, it's a lot of the, you know, local restaurants and stuff that's, they really lose in all this. Not only is it just us fans, but it's them. But, you know, maybe the two the two sides in Ranford don't realize that as they continue to, you know, act childish and go back and forth. You know, they need to really grow up right now and realize what's happening because this is going to take a while. I, I mean, you know, Hank, you and I are, are Ranger fans. Hockey is mm-hmm. a chance right now to really, you know, take over the, the, the spot right here.
0: One-nothing, by the of- way. What's off that? Topic. one nothing, by the way, off topic. I did. I saw that, yeah. <laughs> I, you, you'll see us
1: probably uh, going to the TV a couple of times because our, our uh, Rangers and our Knicks are playing. And you know what? I'll tell you right now, I'd be watching a spring training game tonight if it was on. So that's, again, Major League Baseball's loss for acting so childish and foolish for the past three years. So those those sides that I was saying, though, I mean, those are the real losers as, as fans. And this is something that baseball, I mean, this is going to take, and this is not an exaggeration, This is something that is going to take years for them to get over because this is not just, you know, it's a one off lockout like, you know, hockey may have came back, might have come back stronger from that one, that lockout they had in 2004, 2005. With baseball, though, this has been this this is the second time in three years that we're dealing with something like this. And I understand the first go around was a pandemic, but it was also the way that that was handled, the 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 way they they couldn't function a negotiation that year, the way they're functioning now, they couldn't negotiate here, the way they handled this, this stuff, plus all the on-the-field stuff and how everybody's being turned away by all this, this is going to take a very, very long time for Major League Baseball to recover from.
0: Yeah. No. I agree. And like America's, I said—
1: you know, Let's be honest. America's pastime, it's no longer baseball. It's football.
0: Yeah. And what we used to
1: do in baseball, even in, in New York, being able to talk, you know, Yankees and Mets 24-7, 365. Mm-hmm. That's those days are gone. And they're gonna be if they're not gone already, they're gonna be gone. And they're gonna be replaced by talking Giants and Jets 24-7, 365, and and get and and that's with two teams that have been two of the worst teams in football the last several years. And that pains me to say that as a Giants fan, but that's the truth. But we could spend an hour today talking about how the with their Daniel Jones and or Saquon Barkley's future, the fact that the Giants cut Devontae Booker, which I know you and I spoke about pregame, and I, I'm i a little bummed about that, but I understood why. I mean, you could spend a whole hour on that versus talking about baseball. That's just, you know, the reality of the times right now, and that's what baseball has to realize. I don't think they those two sides realize how damaging this is actually happening to their
0: sport. And again, like I said at the beginning, if you really think about it, this all could have been avoided even before the pandemic started, because as I said, and Selig had his flaws too, by the way, I I just want to point that out, Uh but I'm just looking at Manfred's entire tenure and I'm going to list off some other things he did because like I said, it all connects. Yeah. This guy, this is the same commissioner that tried to cut 40 minor league teams. So that's another example of how he is somebody who just cannot grow the game. And he also had the nerve to blame Mike Trout for not marketing the game. enough. bro, you're the commissioner. You're the I commissioner. mean, look, I don't want to hear any, anybody say, Oh, Mike Trout plays for the angels. That's not, that's not a big enough market. First of all, it may not be the Dodgers, but it's still, they still market themselves as Los Angeles and sure. El- Anaheim is still a big part of Southern California. So that is a pretty big market. Uh Second of all, Ken Griffey played for quote unquote small markets such as Seattle and Cincinnati. Like Uh that guy, a market that guy got marketed like like heck, and he wasn't even on winning teams. And this when Uh baseball was more popular. You mean to tell me that Mike Trout can't be can't be can't be marketed like that? I don't buy that for a single minute. And not to mention, this is also the same guy who what else? What else does he do? He he pretty much does nothing whenever scandals scandals happen, and then he goes, "Oh, a lockout, a lo- losing a part of the season would be devastating to sport." But any, I saw through that. I saw through that when he said that, by the way, because yeah. at the end of the day, we all know the commissioner's quote unquote job is to essentially to you know side with the owners, and unfortunately, if you go way back. To the last time that baseball had a lockout, I don't know if you've heard the story, but you've heard the name Fay Vincent, right? Yes. He, in my opinion, was the last good commissioner that Major League Baseball had. When baseball had a lockout, they were in a similar situation. Nineteen ninety, he didn't care what the owners were doing. He didn't care how much things would hurt them. He made them get a season done, and and they got a season in nineteen ninety, and then. After a few years, a lot of the owners, mostly it was like the small to middle market guys got upset. They didn't like what he was doing. They essentially voted him out. So in other words, he got fired for doing his job because he didn't want to appease the owners. So that's one way where I get why Rob Manfred is like siding with the owners. But at the same time, you look at everything else he's done. He is essentially slime and if baseball loses its popularity for if baseball becomes what people see boxing as and it becomes a quote-unquote dead sport now don't get me wrong i'm an outlier in this i'm i have you know i hosted a baseball show called hitting for the cycle this past season yes i'm the type of fan that when it comes back you'll probably see me go to the ballpark whenever i can at yankee stadium like tickets will pro- are easily accessible on game days you know, people like me they won't have to worry about because i'm an addict and like mm-hmm. in a way it kind of it it kind of represents me because i'm a bit of an old soul and liking baseball a lot so there's that but what all his actions basically like you said cost a whole generation of fans and i think that is an absolutely damn shame
1: yeah, it's cost the older generation, and, you know, you're trying to get the younger fans in. How are the younger fans going to get into all this? When they see the optics of what has transpired here, not only just in the past, you know, nine days down in Florida, the 90-plus the days that this lockout has been going on for, the three years with COVID and all that, they look at all these optics, and it's just – it looks terrible. And part of it is because they were sold – the fact that they were they were sold that this was going to get done. They were sold Monday night into Tuesday morning that they were close. But again, like I've said, what signs did that did it show that they were going to be close? And you know, Manfred comes out and says, "Oh, now the first two series are canceled," and people will start thinking, "Oh, well, it's only two, it's only going to be two series." Do you guys really think that they're going to get a deal done that's th- th- this quick? It's two series if they go back to the table tomorrow and agree. And I would even tell you that there's a slight chance of that if they agreed on just one major item. That's not there. There's still no sign of that. And it should not be the fact that you're going in at 1 in the afternoon and leaving at 6 or 7 and having 10 to 15-minute meetings. That's not how it gets done. So, I would be shocked. Do I think this full season is going to get canceled? I do not. But I would be surprised if we're playing base if we're not if we're playing baseball before May. I, I think May is the earliest because you have to remember too. Once we have it, once there's an agreement, these guys have to go have the spring training and get games. Yeah, they could work out in minor complexes, but that's not the same way as ramping up and legitimate spring training games and stuff so it's just there there's no real positive or no real good sign that this is going to get any better and imagine if there's one i'll leave you with one other point here too because i had listened i had heard about this too can you imagine if there's a lawsuit that gets involved in all this you may be talking about the whole entire season getting canceled and then that's you know, I, I already said the, the damage is done, but you do that and it just takes it to a whole nother level.
0: Yeah, I I'm absolutely like speechless. Personally, I wouldn't I don't know. I think May might be a little too generous. No offense, Johnny. I would love to agree with you about May. Part of me feels like it's either. Actually, no, let me rephrase that. I would say more like maybe Memorial Day weekend or early June is, is what my prediction would be for when a season's going to be. But you know what? At this point, like as much as I love the game, like I'm going to be honest with all that's happened from like last year and like the year before my passion is like kind of deteriorating just because it's like, OK, like because like the way that Manfred's like changing things the way a lot of these players are treated. And like, like I said, I'm not talking about the Mike Trouts, the Miguel Cabreras or the big guys. I'm talking about the average Joes who don't get a big, who when they have the chance to get their big boy contract, they're already at year six or seven and they're not a star and are pretty much have to go into real life, have to find a day job and have to, support their families. I'm talking about those guys.
1: Very, very, very fair.
0: Yep. And not to mention you have the stadium workers. And by the way, fun fact, I'm not going to talk too much about this, but I actually used to be one myself. I used to be a guest relations member for a year and a half at Yankee stadium, decent Mm -hmm. experience. And who knows, maybe I'll return to that. I would love to, I would love to, I had a lot of good people that I worked with, but I also met a lot of those stadium workers in in games that I've been to in in years past. I feel bad for them, probably more so than the players themselves. Not that I don't not that those guys don't deserve sympathy, cuz trust me, they do. And I think that ultimately that's the reason why we're even in a lockout because of the fact that as I said, the idea that this whole argument is millionaires versus billionaires, it it just It doesn't make, if you really read into the whole thing, you'll see why that, that argument, nothing could be further from the truth. It's, it's a ridiculous like take to make, but in any event, it's sickened me. I'm, and when it does come back, I'm going to be honest, even though I'll probably eventually return to a game at Yankee stadium, even though I'll eventually bring back hitting for the cycle. It's also going to take me a little bit to like, for me to get my full baseball mojo back, but yeah. Then again, I at mean, the end of the day, at least you have know, other interests. Absolutely, and
1: here's a good here's a good question. I'll ask you this: So, when COVID had hit, when that COVID um, year happened back in 2020, how long did it take for you to get excited? Because I'll be honest with you, I didn't really get excited until the playoffs had happened. Like I, and you know, it was so awkward seeing the Yankees and the Rays out there in San Diego. But it took until then to actually get really excited about it again. And then, of course, you know what happens there. But then when they start having a few fans in Texas, I mean, it felt a little bit better. But that whole year in general, I couldn't get into the regular season. And even the postseason, you're watching it, but it's not as, you know, it's still not like what how you feel. I feel like we're going to be going through this all over again if it does come back at some point this year.
0: It, I, I was watching every game that year because, like I said, I may have been upset, but at the end of the day, remember, I'm an addict at the end uh-huh. of the day, but at the same time, if I told you that it was easy for me to just get right back into the swing of things, pun intended, because baseball... Pun intended, I like what you did there, yep. I, to, if I told you that I was, that I watched, but was, like, fully able to get right into the swing of things, then that's a lot, because you had em- empty stands, the runner on second base, like, it it just felt like I was watching something completely different. And then even into the playoffs, like I like it was exciting to watch the Yankees, but at the end of the day, like, not not to go off a little tangent, but deep down, I knew the Yankees were gonna end up losing a typical one or two run game because either you have the runner on second and third. What do we do? Do we try to get him up, get him in, get it over? Nope, let's swim for the fences, strikeout, series over. Sure. Every single Every single fucking Yankee team the past five years, excuse my French, sorry. I'm. But yeah, no, it took me a bit of time. I just, it was, it was, it was really tough to watch. And to be honest, I was actually a little bit relieved when the Yankee season ended because I was like, okay, well, at least we don't have to hear the chatter of, oh, Mickey Mouse championship. And now if we get a season again, I'm, we're going to possibly hear that whole thing. If the Yankees somehow actually hit in the clutch for once.
1: You know, yeah, no, I I totally agree. It's that's kind of like where I go. That's kind of like where I am with with it too right now. So, I again, I I don't think you're going to hear anything for a little while because, like I've said, these two sides they're not really close on anything. They're going to go back. I guess word is they're going to go back and meet in New York or negotiate against. They can negotiate as early as tomorrow. Whether you know anything really does happen, it's hard to say really is
0: yeah no i completely agree but since i mentioned how i felt after like the 2020 season and how i'm feeling right now i think this would be a perfect segue to one thing in sports that i am legitimately enjoying and i don't know about you but i think you're probably enjoying this team too let's talk a little bit about the new york rangers now yeah. since they the last time back. <laughs> I know. I'm very excited. Yeah, That's been the one thing that has been distracting me from all this lockout talk. And over the course of like the whole decade, I think you could you could make the case that the Rangers have become just as big as the Yankees for me in terms of teams that I'm like the most passionate about. But sure. in any event, let's talk about the last three games. So the last time I made a video regarding the Rangers, uh, I believe there was right before the Washington Capital game. First game oh, they good played good. was against Capitals. Now, crazy enough, this game was happening the day after a certain news story happened regarding the world, which I'm not really going to talk into fully detail about, but let's just mm-hmm. say it, it, it. the main two players in this game were Igor Shosturkin, Artem Panarin, Alexander Ovechi, and I think you can see where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. But in any event, this was definitely another fun atmosphere at MSG, the Rangers absolutely dominated this game. Now, I know somebody posted a whole thing about the Rangers getting outshot for a certain amount of time in this game, but when you really look at the when you really look at the whole eye test about that game, I don't really think that told you the whole story. The Rangers had moments in this game where when it was one-nothing, they missed a few, a few like shots on the net that could have been goals. They could have easily dominated this team like seven-nothing, but the yeah. fact that it was four-nothing still pretty damn good and you know Igor was absolutely lights out I mean yeah he gave him a goal but by that time it, there was like a minute left in the game you knew the Rangers were going to win sure there was never even a doubt it was one of the first legitimate like 60 minute wins that I saw for the Rangers in probably like a few weeks because like I said like I've said before this is a solid team this is one that maybe could make noise but I still think there may be a few assets away from a cup run and I'll, I'll get a little bit more into that a little bit later, but what was your take on that game?
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And how many times have we talked about with the Rangers, them out, them out shooting opponents and yet still losing. So the whole out shooting thing can be a little bit misleading at times, but look, this is a, this is a, you want to talk about a team that will put a smile on your face and that's a team that's fun to watch. This is it. And you know, how many teams can you say in hockey can go from one goaltender who dominate who dominated for 15 years to another one who's been dominant for a long long time. I like that cap by the way. Was that the cap that you got at uh, the retirement night?
0: Yes, yes it was. Awesome,
1: awesome. That's that's, yes. that's great. Yeah, but I mean that's that's really it. I mean it all it all starts there. I mean you go from one goalie to an, another. And that was not easy to do. But you know, you've got a you got a Vesna uh Canada, right there in and, Jesurkin, and you see the Rangers up one nothing right now uh, against the Blues tonight. But I, I think you made a good point. Look, this team looks great. Could they be though? The, the one, the two things that I would say about them right now though are timing, and you know the trade deadline which is coming up. Uh, when is the it, deadline? It's at the end of the month, right? Twenty first. Twenty first. That's right. Uh, I agree with you. I think they do need to make a couple of more moves because while this is a very good team, I think they are still lacking in some areas. So I would agree with you that I think they do need to make a move, but this is definitely a team. If it stays healthy and they continue the way they're going. Yeah. They could be making the deep run into may or June for sure.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. So the next game they played was in Pittsburgh Saturday. Again, that one, That one was one of those weird games. It was one of those games where, you know, they were neck and neck again. Igor made this a game. He, the fact that he gave up one goal wasn't his fault. It was a power play goal. That call was obviously a ridiculous call, but again, at the same time, I'm not one that likes to blame the refs. That was a game where the Rangers couldn't really get anything going. And if you can't score a goal, then it's really hard to win at the end of the day. I think that game should have at least gone into overtime, but you know what? It is what it is. And then obviously you had the game on Sunday night against the Vancouver Canucks. You knew Georgiev had to start because first of all, it was the third game in four nights. You don't want to burn Igor up too much. Yeah. Second of all, the Vancouver Canucks are kind of an inferior opponent. So you'd want to let Georgiev maybe get his feet a little bit wet. If you're hearing his name in, in trade talks. However, with that being said, I think looking at that game, it was a combination of a few things. So, the Rangers, yes, we're down four nothing. I'm not going to say all of those goals that Georgiev gave up were entirely his fault because great. let's face it, some some of those Shesterkin can say, but he can't. At the same time, the Rangers couldn't get this going partially because Thatcher Demko of the Vancouver Canucks did a great job keeping keeping the Rangers off the scoreboard, and you know. I think we tend to forget that whenever there's a game between two teams, there's two goalies that are being paid to get shutouts at the same time. Right. But Absolutely. at the same Absolutely. time, the Rangers just look flat. Like, I think after the second goal, they must have been exhausted from playing three games in four nights. I think they just completely it in. But you know what? It is what it is. I'm not going to freak out about a regular season loss, say, in, like, In like late February, early March, because it's going to happen. Like you're, they're going to be in the playoffs at this time. I would trade that loss for like say a win over a bigger rival later on in the season, any day of the week.
1: I I would agree with you a hundred percent for for sure, Hank. The only thing that I will say that does make me a little bit worried about the Rangers going forward here is their schedule. Because I was just, I was just, I was looking at it before we we started tonight, and you know they got a Blues team right now that they're playing. But then at that, it starts to get a little bit tricky. You know, they played the Devils on on Friday, and the Devils always give the Rangers fits. And then you yep. look at their. And Tom and I will get
0: that, that one. I'm sorry. I'll be bringing Tom to that one. Very excited. Awesome.
1: That that'll be hopefully a good luck charm there. But then you look at it after that, and they've got a very challenging schedule going forward here. They they go on a they go to Winnipeg, they go to Minnesota, they go they play the Blues again a week from tomorrow. They've got Dallas. Uh, and even this whole month, you know, Anaheim, the Islanders, the Lightning, Carolina, the, the Devils, uh, two games against Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Detroit here in the month of March. So schedule gets it's a good it's a good test for them. Yes. Yeah. Entire month. And we'll, we'll see what they we'll see what they're made of because, I mean, they've got some very challenging teams uh, this month. So I would agree with you. I, I, and I think you will see them make a move here. Uh, yeah. To shore up because there's just some there is something about this team, and I see what you feel about this that I think they're lacking. I I think they can go deep, but if they truly want to make a deep deep run, then I think they do need to pull off at least one more piece here before the deadline.
0: Absolutely, and look, like you said, I I think they should. Let's look at some of the guys that are available, and these are just a few: Philip Kessel. I've seen a lot of people saying, oh, Philip Kessel, Kessel, I don't want this guy. He's kind of early to mid 30s. Well, here's the thing about Phil Kessel. Let's not forget this guy. I don't think Phil Kessel necessarily would cost a lot of money. A lot of or a lot of players. A lot of people are complaining, like saying, Oh, you're you're gonna like wait, you're gonna get rid of a lot of the farm in trying to like, you know, go for the cup. Here's my issue with that thinking. If you have too many young defensemen, how many of them are going to have a place to stay in the roster within the next couple of years? That's creating a logjam. jam. Yeah. You already have a great team in front of you as it is right now. You've got Chris Kreider, 30 goal scorer. well, what mm-hmm. is that? 33, 34. Yeah. He's He's, having a career he's going yet. to have at yeah. least 40 by the end of the season. Artemi Panarin, who I, we haven't even seen the best of him yet. I know he only has 14 goals, which, might look on the surface like it's a down year for him, but then you look at the assists he's racking up, he has a hand in a lot of these other players' goals.
1: Absolutely. Artken okay. Panarin is going
0: to heat up down the stretch. Trust uh-huh. me on that. The guy is talented. He has a high IQ. I think the reason he's not scoring a lot of goals, if you look at him with the puck, he's forcing passes to, say, the Greg McKeggs or or the Dryden Hunts or the Julian Gauthiers. He's being yeah. He's being, how do I say it? reverse scotty pippen in 94 if you get what yes I mean. yes he's being a little too unselfish which is kind of weird that i'm saying in a team sport but that's the case
1: oh we say that a lot with the rangers especially on the power play you see them passing over oh many times yeah. but
0: when you see panarin with the puck when he shoots it more often than not the puck goes in so if you see him score goals watch out you, I didn't even mention Adam Fox, the guy. He obviously cooled off a little bit, but up until this point, he's been getting like almost a point of game. He's still young. He's not mm-hmm. even in his prime yet. Yeah. And I only named like a select few of the talented players that they have. And, and even Mika Savannah. Sivanic- Mika Sivanic- 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 Sivan, yeah. may but you know what? He is, he is a good center. You've got a lot of good pieces and not to mention you have a goalie who is absolutely standing on his head. There is no reason for you to argue to me that the Rangers should not go in because in my honest opinion, part of the reason that you need to get more scoring depth, you gotta, you gotta like take it easy on Igor because he's been like trying to carry you out of a lot of wins during most of the season, you know? And so Uh with that in mind, there is no question in my opinion that, if things kept going, Igor's a lock for the Vesna. I mean, look at his numbers. I'm pretty sure he's the only goalie in the league whose GAA is under two. And his save percentage is among the – forget top ten. He's probably top five. Let's take a
1: look here. His goals against average is uh, 195.
0: Oh, it's better than I thought.
1: Yeah. It's, I mean, the only other guy – I mean, I'm looking at it right here. Um, you've got um, – Jeremy Swayman of the uh, the Bruins, who's got a one point nine five, he's played ten fewer games, and that's something you have to think too. So Igor, this is his thirty fifth game that he's playing tonight.
0: Yes. Um, Oh, he's going to be good for the Bruins, by the way, Swayman. Yeah. You also got. I was at the game where he and Igor went back at it with the nine round shootout. That guy's good. Yeah,
1: and then you also have to think about Carolina too. You got Frederick Anderson there. He's his. He's got a two point oh three. He's uh, let's see. He's 29.7, nine seven save percentage of nine thirty, which I believe is also Igor's. Igor no, Igor's is nine forty one. So probably that would be your uh, your competition there. It would probably be Anderson of the Hurricanes, and I see a lot of their games obviously being down here in Carolina. Yeah. But I mean, Igor's making a very good case for it. I mean, he'll be right up there, you know, barring some you know collapse the rest of the season. But you, uh, you can't. I, I don't see how it's going to happen. But I, like I said a couple of minutes ago, you know, competition uh, is going to be – is going to be a very interesting month for the Rangers because they've got a lot of challenging opponents on the schedule. So, you know, Igor keeps them in these games. I think he's going to be right up there for the best for sure.
0: I agree. However, with regards to the, to the Carolina Hurricanes, and make no mistake, Freddie Anderson has been definitely a big part of their success. I think the only difference between him and Igor – Igor has had a number of games where you can say that he basically carried the Rangers. I don't usually hear like, Oh, Freddie Anderson carried the Carolina hurricanes, Carolina hurricanes. If anything, they're a loaded team. This was, if if there was one team in the division that scared me before the season, it was them. And it wasn't because they had a lot, had some former Rangers that, you know, I like it isn't <laughs> yeah. even the former Rangers. that scared me. It's more along it's guys more along the lines of the Sebastian Ajos, the Tara Vinans, the, Spe- the Spechnikovs, And yeah, I'll even throw in one former Ranger in there, Tony D'Angelo. Tony D'Angelo, yeah. I think he's hurt yeah. though now, right? That. He is hurt right now, but up until that injury, he was a guy that you knew could produce for another team. And look, I'm not going to get into the whole situation that he had with the Rangers. Look, yeah. that's done. That's over with. You could say that Tony D'Angelo is a hothead. You could say the Rangers were in the right or wrong. Bottom line is when a player leaves, I don't really like to think about it. It's like, it's like Pavel Buchnevich, who's like currently playing for the St. Louis Blues. That's one of the yep. big storylines of this game. Every time a player leaves and gets better, like you always hear the fan base saying, oh, I wish so-and-so was still here. He'd be doing well. Sometimes it's all about a change of scenery. I know it's a little random tangent that I'm going on right now. No, I, I, I get what
1: you say. And I'll go back to one point you were just making to do about Anderson. When you look at the two teams, Carolina's uh, goal differential is plus 59. The Rangers goal differential is plus 23. Yes. So that could be why if now see, that's where you have to almost like say, what is the definition of the Vesna trophy? Is it for the most valuable goaltender or the most outstanding goaltender? It's kind of like the argument that I make, like in baseball, when it goes to the MVP, do you give it to the player that was valuable or give it to the player that was most outstanding? Otherwise, you have to that's what you have to name it. So if you go for the best, if the best is supposed to be for the most valuable goaltender, then you have to go for Igor. Or if you go for the most outstanding one, then Anderson might have a leg up on him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No pun intended, but
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's good. I like that. Yeah. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to this next stretch of games and as we mentioned so far is one, nothing a win for the Rangers today would be huge because they have struggled against a lot of the Western conference teams. Yeah. But with that being said, I think what a lot of people are forgetting when they're like nerves about the Rangers chances is that you're not going to face another Western conference team until say you get through the bloodbath. That is the Carolina hurricanes, the p- potentially the Pittsburgh penguins or the Washington capitals. And then even if somehow they're fortunate to get to the conference finals, which again, I'm not ruling out that possibility. You still have to worry about the lightnings or possibly the Panthers. I'm not going to say the Leafs, maybe the Leafs. I mean, they're talented, but that's a team that just cannot seem to get out of their own way. And again, the Rangers, like I said, they have talented guys. I just think they can add to them. And if there's ever a time for them to do it, this is the year because let me get in the macro part about this. There's 32 million dollars of cap space right now, and granted, you you have your own RFAs after the season that you have to worry about. I'm not. That's not what I'm I'm here to talk about. You have they have room to go for it, and if getting a guy like Phil Kessel or say a Joe Pavelski. Now, granted, I know Pavelski's in his late 30s will add some depth to the Rangers scoring and give them a better shot to win the cup. I think you have to get it done. Even if it means you have to get rid of one or two of the young defensemen. Cause like I said, you have the Zach Jones and the Braden Schneider who, and the Braden Schneiders who may be with the Rangers for a long time, but then you also have say the Nils Lundquist who are part of this like surplus of defensemen in the minor leagues. They're not going to have place to play. They're, they're probably better off in a different organization. And you know what? That's not a bad thing. And it kind of relates to what I was saying earlier. You can't get too attached to a lot of these players because otherwise you're going to miss out on an opportunity. And I know not everyone might feel the same way, but I truly think the Rangers have an opportunity to go for it. And look, even if it doesn't work, you still have a lot of your core back next year. You're going to be in the mix for a while and for, for years to come. It's still a very young team. There's no reason for me not to, to. – in other words, what I'm trying to say as a Ranger fan, why not us?
1: Why not? Absolutely. Why not and, you know, I, I, I totally agree. I, I, I think this is going to be a team that – you know what, folks? We'll be talking about them in April and May. That's for sure. I think they're now, right there.
0: We've got a little bit of time. We're going to keep going for about maybe another 10, 20 minutes, but let's speed it up with a few more topics here. Let's talk about a little bit of NBA news. Philadelphia 76ers have yet to lose a game since they acquired James Harden, and he is making his debut against the New York Knicks. Now, obviously, Johnny, I want to give you the floor and talk about your New York Knicks since you obviously – I know a little bit about them, but that's your area of expertise, much like mine for this discussion was the Rangers. Right. What, what's your state of mind with regards to the Knicks? Is Tom Thibodeau going to be the coach for a long time? is he somebody who's getting scapegoated? How much of an extent do you blame Leon Rose for what's going on with the Knicks?
1: See, you know, this, this is a very tricky situation with the Knicks, Hank, because I have a feeling that Thibodeau is going to be the odd man out in all this. And yes, there are some things that you definitely could blame him on. I think the fact that you know what? Earlier in the season, when you had that incident with Julius Randle, when he was when he gave the thumbs down to the fans. And by the way, what is it with these New York athletes giving thumbs down to the fans? Do you realize you don't you don't battle the fans? It's not a winning thing. I, I think Thibodeau had a moment, had a chance to bench Randle after that moment and send a message. And it's almost like he's been scared to do that. And the thing that Thibodeau has been scared to do this year is play his young kids that are supposed to be part of the future for this team. Whether it's quickly or you know McBride, who's been on the Westchester Express, he's been relying on these veterans a little bit too much. You know the Knicks were banking on Derrick Rose to be probably a bigger factor than he should be, and you know he's been hurt, and they have not been the same team since he's been hurt. But you look at them, and there actually are some positive things. You know Mitchell Robinson's been all right, but it's really been R.J. Barrett who has stepped, who has taken the next step this year. You know he had a career game against the Heat last week. He's, even though the Knicks lost that game, he did score 46. And by the way, it does look like the Knicks are starting to get the better end of that uh, that Duke draft between him and Zion. I mean, that might be one thing the Knicks actually got right. But I know
0: it's this rare. off season. I'll tell you though,
1: at the end of the year, you know this has been a major disappointment. Now I will be the first to tell you that I did not think they were going to be as good as they were last year. If you look even this downfall that they've had really started in the playoffs against the Hawks last year. And it just goes back to the point that this has been the same problem the Knicks have had now for the majority of the 21st century. There's no true point guard. There's no, there's no superstar. There's no big man that they could count defensively. So it all starts with that. You can't go into the season thinking that Derek Rose, who can't stay on the floor half the time, is going to be a big factor for this team. And you know, your big your big time player who I would not say he's a superstar. I would say he's a very good player to very valuable role player in Julius Randle. He's taken a major step back. He was playing like an MVP candidate last year. And this year, for whatever reason it's been, he has not been the same player. And in the NBA, Hank, you need a star. I don't I think the days of you know the big three. That's not going to do it anymore. And we've, we're have we seeing that with the Nets. We're seeing it with all these big guys that they've tried to put out in L.A. It's not working. Be, you, what you need is you need a bona fide star like you do in Milwaukee with Giannis. You need a, a second very good player. And you need very valuable role players. That's what gets the job done. And right now, the Knicks can't take the first step. And even and even though, you know, it really also starts with a point guard. And, again, the Knicks, when's the last true point guard that they've had that's really been very important to them. It hasn't been there. It's been, search- oh my they've gosh, been searching I can't for this. Remember. Yeah, I mean, they've been searching for a very long time. You know, they, I mean, you want to take a trip down remember. I mean, we- they tried bringing in Stefan Marbury. That oh. worked for a half a year and then that went in the wrong direction. I, grew uh, you know, up they,
0: with that guy.
1: <sighs> it's just, you know, it's last year. I don't want to say last year was a fluke, but. You it know, it's, it's been two very good years for the Knicks. It was one great year back in, I believe it was 2011-2012 when they won the 54 games. That was the year when they had Carmelo 13. and they brought in Stoudemire.
0: But I think it was 13. I'm but, sorry, when it was
1: Stoudemire and they brought in Carmelo. It was... Uh,
0: or wait, no, hold up.
1: It was 2012-2013 because I was on the show when that happened.
0: Yes. I was going to say 2010-2011 was the, when they brought in Melo. And I remember the Knicks were like, they were good, but they weren't great. But Stoudemire was making them a better team. Then they got Carmelo, but the problem with that was they traded a lot of their depth, and they kind of got worse. And then they tailed off, and they got swept by the Celtics. And then I remember the year after it was Linsanity. Then it was 2013 when they when they finally started to play well.
1: Better. See, you know, I want to go back to that trade for a second because a lot of people say that they got they traded a lot of their depth a couple of those players were really never really playing for them. So I can't well, really say it with the depth. It was really more so the fact that, that Melo and Stoudemire just could never gel together. And that's, you know, that's the one thing people have to realize in the NBA. True. You want to talk about bringing in stars. And, you know, you can say you have a lot of stars in your team. Chemistry in the NBA is so important. Look at what you're seeing in Brooklyn. You know, they talked about having, oh, they have Kyrie, they have Durant, and they have Harden together. They're going to be an unstoppable force. Well, those three together played a total of 16 games in Brooklyn. Whether Now, whether it was the mandate, which is a whole other story, or, you know, it's Durant's health, or it's Harden's health, or it's Kyrie's health. I mean, the, the bottom line is, you know, if you're banking on those big three, you still need your your role players. And the Nets traded a bunch of those valuable players away to get hardened And look what's happening. Two of those guys right now are in Cleveland, in in Jared Allen and Karis Levert. If you had those two guys on the Nets right now, I mean, they would be they would be much better than they are wear off right now. So what the Knicks need is they need to play these young guys out the rest of the season. And have them take the next step next year and they have to go out and they have to find a way to get a big time player in here. And I don't know if they're going to be able to do that right away because they cannot go into the draft and keep thinking they can draft a star because it just doesn't happen right away. It almost wouldn't even be crazy to think if you're the Knicks in the off season, you take that first round pick that you have and you trade and you try and get a star in here. Now who that is, I have no idea whether it's Dane. I don't know if you want to go for Lillard. That if you want to go that route, the Knicks are in a tough spot. And the other tough spot is too is Thibodeau the answer? And in some ways I think he is, in other ways, I think he's not. But I have a feeling that he's going to be the the fall guy in all this because I think Rose and Worldwide West, who probably should take part of the blame too. You know, they don't ever come out and have press conferences. I don't know why. But those guys should also be held accountable, too. But it's going to be Thibodeau who's probably going to be the odd man out in all this. So they're in a very tricky spot going into the offseason right now. They're just playing out the string. I mean, they're 12th in the Eastern Conference right now. So, and you look at their schedule. I mean, just look at who they are. They have to rattle off an unbelievable stretch to try and get into the play-in tournament. And at this point, you're going to get into the play-in tournament and get knocked out? Why bother?
0: No, just – no, look, I don't want to – you're going to hate that I'm saying this, but I would rather – I'd rather just tank away the season at this point. Like, I don't want them – I don't want to play for, like, what, an extra two games where you're probably going to get smacked out and lose embarrassingly. Just, no. It,
1: I mean, and, you know, it's sad because they wanted to hi- play that kid Grimes and then he, hurt, he uh, hurts his p- Patel attendant um, over the weekend. And, you know, he they wanted him to play some more and look what happens there. So – Look, you want, to, you want to see these these young guys play some more and see if you have a, a, a thing. Another thing, too, you know, they bring in Cam Reddish, which I thought was a pretty good move for them. Why is you know, he they, playing much? No, that's, that's Thibodeau. That's the thing. What's I the
0: mean, point of trading for him if you're not going to play
1: him? Well, because they traded somebody they weren't playing anyway, and Kevin Knox, you fell out of Thibodeau's rotation, too. So it's like you traded one just to try and get him out. You bring him in, and I, I don't know why they're not playing Reddish much more. They should. You should see what they have. I Reddish when he's played has been all right, but doesn't really play. That that's yeah. that's the problem. And that's why you have to really question if Thibodeau really is the answer. If you're gonna be, you know, Barrett has taken the next step to be a star. Remember, he's still a very young guy because he only played the one year at Duke. So he's very he's very young still. This is his what third or fourth year, but is a third year. But I mean, he, he's showing that he can be a franchise player for this team.
0: Yeah. Definitely. So moving a little bit on from the Knicks and because I'm not really going to get too much into the NBA. Like Paul really covered a lot of this on the three and D and I think for the most part, he would pretty much agree with a lot of what you're saying. The Knicks were a team that I think based on what they did in a shortened season and in what was kind of a weird year. I think we, we seem to overhype that team when really at the end of the day, I think you pretty much nailed it on the head. The Knicks have had a lot more, the Knicks needs are a lot more glaring than we think. I think, I think really the one thing that's always been an issue for the Knicks has been the point guard and whatnot. I I can't remember a year watching or like even hearing about the Knicks. I'll admit I'm like, I'm casual when it comes to the Knicks. I'm not like a diehard Compa- compared to what I am with, with the Rangers. Like I'm, sure. I'm kind of mad when it comes to the Knicks. I'm like, I'll watch, but like, I'm it, it's hard for me to really pay full attention. Everything, every year, I've heard them say, Oh, they need a point guard. Tells you all you really need to know about the Knicks. And as far as fibs go, fibs goes, look, I'm not a guy that's in favor of like, that's the first to like point out a coach's flaws whenever things are going bad. Cause I feel like that's the easy thing cop out whenever things are going wrong with the teams. I mean, look, it's it's natural for a New York sports fan. That's how mm-hmm. it is. That being said, I'm not going to tell you that he's done an excellent job because at the same time, if he uh, I think he really should be like playing the younger guys because at the same at, at this point, you're way well under 500. At best you're going to you're, you're going to be in a playing game. Like what's the point? Just play the young guys. Let yeah. the kids play. So oh, speaking of letting the kids play i think the one one more topic we really have today let's talk a little bit about march madness and i hear son, saturday there were there were like what six upsets that happened
1: the top 6 teams in the country all on the road lost on saturday first time that it's ever happened uh, let me tell you the march man the tournament's going to be fun because i think it is so wide open this year I would say maybe with the exception of Gonzaga, who also was one of those six teams who lost on Saturday, it's it's wide open. I mean, you could see a situation where one of those top teams loses in the first round. It's not crazy to think that because because of the just the way that it's structured this year. Uh, mm-hmm. I I thought what was really crazy was after uh this week was even after that Saturday when all six teams lost, Gonzaga stayed number one. Now, I'm not gonna go too crazy into that because you know, you play out the string, and then, you know, once again, into the tournament, anything's possible. Mm-hmm. But we are, you know, less – we are about two weeks away. In fact, the first four will be two weeks from yesterday and then two weeks from tomorrow on St. Patrick's Day. The tournament gets rolling, and you know what? It's, it takes on a better feel now because it looks like now you're going to have fans that are going to be available to, to be in the stands for the tournament. You know, you remember two years ago, it was right when COVID had hit two years ago when March Madness was happening, you know, you had the conference tournaments and the nose got canceled and then the tournament got canceled. And that was the start of what was a crazy time. And then even last year with the tournament, you had no fans. So it really wasn't the same thing, but now it looks like it's going to be pretty normal. In fact, you actually have a, a tournament or a conference or two that's already got their conference tournaments going. So it is, it is that time as far as the as March as uh, you know the NCAA in total, I could not tell you who I think is going to go all the way because it is it's really wide open. We've seen so many crazy upsets. We've seen teams lose back to back days. We've seen crazy buzz of beaters. A- anything is possible in this uh, in this stretch. But I think once we get a bracket together, then we'll be able to have a little bit more of an idea of what's going to happen. I would say probably one thing to look for, for in the few, in this this upcoming week in terms of college basketball is on Saturday you have Duke North Carolina Coach K's last game at Cameron Indoor.
0: Oh my, Oh wow! I forgot about that. Yeah,
1: very special thing on Saturday, and you know Duke North Carolina doesn't matter if the two teams are the top two in the country or if they're the two worst teams in the country. It's always very special to watch. And in fact, if you remember a couple of weeks ago when they played at Chapel Hill in North uh, Chapel Hill, uh, Duke jumped out to a, a very, very quick lead and never relinquished it. And that's what mm-hmm. they did last Saturday against Syracuse. They were up like 31-9, and it, they were draining three after three, and it was over before you. we were able to sit down and get comfortable. So, you know, Duke's Duke's always one of those weird teams, though, because you think about them, I think I think there was a stat that came out, they actually won their first ACC um, regular season title since 2010. But, you know, there's still something about them that, you, almost, you could see them going all the way or at least making it to the Final Four and maybe even going all the way. You could also see them getting bounced out of the first round because they always have that flaw that they could go out that early. But, yeah, big story coming up this Saturday, Coach K's last game at Cameron Indoor and against North Carolina, their their rivals. So that will be a special thing to watch uh, this upcoming week.
0: Yes. By the way, the Rangers just scored another goal. That oh, was Ryan awesome. Strome 2 nothing.
1: Excellent. Hey, yeah. I, hey, I actually just put the hey, nickname on cause we were transforming <laughs> cause we were just, uh, we were transitioning to the Knicks there and they're up three against the Sixers here, uh, middle of the third, but, um, yeah, so go ahead.
0: Back to what you were saying about March madness. Look, I'm not, I'm, like I said, I'm going to be honest with you. Basketball is not really my number one. I, I know a little bit about the NBA college basketball, I guess. Cause I've, I've been like such a big fan of like hockey and football, like, even college, I'll get a little bit into it, but I need to do better with, like, college. Just saying, I'll, Tom, I promise you I'll watch more of those highlights for Big Blue Avenue once we get closer <laughs> to the draft, if you're watching this. But in any event, like, March Madness is one of my favorite times because there's a lot of schools. Like, I usually pick my winner based on who's, like, a big star. But this year, like, I'm going to tell you straight up right then and there, if I even decide to do a bracket, and I haven't really done a bracket since before the pandemic – I already know it's busted. That's just <laughs> how my luck is every yeah. single year. I, there's no real one team that I think could win. I'll probably just pick Michigan just for bias sake because I'm a casual fan of them because I have a family member who went there. My, my oldest stepbrother actually was an alumni there. So by default, oh. I tend to root for them in college sports, but. They'll never top the Rangers or the Yankees for like my number ones, or the Giants for that matter. The only thing
1: about that Hank, though, is I don't think Michigan's going to get in because they're really right on the borderline right now. Oh, okay. And the uh, I don't know.
0: He shows you You're, what I know about college. Basketball. Well, no, no, that's
1: okay. Listen, I'll be honest with you. When it comes to college hoops, it really doesn't become important until after the Super Bowl because once you start playing conference game games, you don't, it really you don't you don't really have to pay attention to it until about yep. you know middle of February, but. I just, you know, when I, I'm living down here in the South, you know, you watch a lot more college sports. Like I'll tell you, when I used to live in Long Island, I used to love college football, but I was in the minority. But you come down here, you know, you've got the South Carolina Gamecocks, you've got the Clemsons of the world, you've got the Alabamas. Uh, I'm a Notre Dame guy because, you know, when I was up north, that was the one team that was always on uh, national TV every week. So, but I can get into that because the way that college football is structured, I think is the best of all the sports. But as far as college basketball, I mean, it's, it's really doesn't become relevant because you know, that you don't, you don't see teams go undefeated like you would in college football. Granted, you know, much shorter season. I get it, but you don't usually the top team, in the country has two or three losses. The, the seeds, they fluctuate so much week in and week out because you do have those upsets in, in college hoops. But you know, the big, but like I said, you know, the big thing was with Duke. And as far as mission goes, that was a big deal a couple of weeks ago because of the situation yep. with Juwan Howard. Um, and I, I Michigan right now the way they're looking they're probably going to have to win out and then probably have to get very lucky in the Big Ten tournament yep. to get in because I know they uh, according to Lenardi on ESPN that he had them right on the borderline of the first four out last four in but um, now with No Howard coaching them for the rest of the seat the regular season until the uh, Big Ten tournament uh, it doesn't look like they're going to get in and uh, by the way St Louis
0: just scored so it's two to one now uh, Rangers. Yep. No, I saw Ryan O'Reilly. Yep. But so, uh, yes.
1: Yeah, so I would say, even if you're not the biggest college basketball fan, you know what? And this is where, again, this is baseball's loss right here because this is another thing that people will get into when the tournament when the tournament starts because when you when the when the first round the first the first weekend it starts that Thursday to Sunday, which will be the uh, excuse me the 17th to the 20th. You know, you've got games all day on four channels. It is really the best four days of sports that you can get. It's like the, you know what I say? I compare it to a divisional weekend in the NFL because of the, of the way that it's, it's formatted.
0: Oh no. I would call it divisional weekend on crack because then you have like multiple teams playing in the afternoon. Like you get it at 1230. Like I I'll never forget. Like when I was in high school, like, well, actually no, even before high school, like even when I was in middle school was when I sort of started to really get a little bit of an idea about what the NCAA tournament. Cause like I said, I was slow to really get into college basketball. And even then, I really only followed like when it's during the tournament, like when it was, when it was middle school, every single kid was like trying to pay attention to like the score. Like this was yeah. right around the time when smartphone, when we had like smartphones and iPhones was when I was, when I was in middle school. Cause this was been like, like 2010, 2011. And then I get to high school, like, we would be sneaking our phones in when the teacher wasn't looking and be and seeing how our brackets was like, and high school, same thing. Like, except now we had our laptops in the middle of like lectures, nothing I like re- it. it's one of the best playoffs besides the Stanley cup playoffs. I think the NCAA is definitely my favorite playoff format.
1: That is a very good point. Yes. I would, I would agree with you on that. Oh, and uh, St. Louis just scored again. So the dreaded two goal lead doesn't work that again. But, yeah,
0: not surprised.
1: Um, yeah. but when you look at it, so the way that it's situated on St. Patrick's day, it starts on St. Patrick's day. And this is, I think where they've actually gotten it. Right. Is Turner sports has it. So you have all four Turner networks where it's CBS, true TV, TNT, TBS. I think they tip off like 10 minutes apart from each other. So you can go from one game to the next, to the next, to the next. It really is like, it is the best structure. And, That is something they they were talking about expanding as well. And The one thing they did do in the last several years was they had the first four in. So there were those two games on that Tuesday leading up to it, which would be on the 15th. But, yeah, I I would say even if you're not the biggest college basketball watcher, I'd say this year it's so wide open, anything's possible, this is the time to get into it. It's it's fun. Even if, you know, you're like me and somebody that doesn't, you know, follow it from start to finish, it's – it's definitely a lot of fun. See, I used to always follow it also because, you know, as a Knicks fan, you, you would wonder if mm-hmm. if they had a high draft pick, which for years they didn't because they were traded away, of course, because that's how great they were. Uh, uh, you would see uh, who's coming out of the draft, uh, who who they're talking about coming out of the draft. But, um, yeah, it's, it's wide open this year, I'd say. I, I mean, I would still think that Gonzaga is the favorite. But, look, the way this year is, it's certainly anybody's tournament to win
0: yeah definitely so we got a comment right here from brian McCardle. college football equals better regular season format college basketball equals best playoff slash championship format 100 that's
1: that that's
0: 100 that spot on wow
1: wow 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 i brian i would totally agree with you i think the way college football is situated is perfect that i would be curious if He'd be somebody that would want the expanded uh, playoff, the playoff in college football, because I'm not against it going to eight, but they've been talking about college football going to twelve, and I think that's just ridiculous. Because then you're going to have, I mean, we were talking about it as down here that one year that Coastal Carolina would made a run, but you would just that would be like going back to what we were talking about at the NFL. You would be having quantity over quality, it wouldn't be quality postseason football. So I would agree, I would agree with him on, on that. Are you kidding me? Yeah, they just scored again. Are you literally in? It was two nothing with about two and a half minutes left in the second. And, and in the span you... of about two minutes, it's gone from two nothing Rangers to three two Blues.
0: What is it? What, 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 what do the Blues have like a Reggie Miller at the end of the period getting all those points? And like, oh
1: God, you <laughs> had to bring Reggie Miller
0: up this... I'm sorry. That's no, what it's it, okay. That's what it's it's I always right. think of when I see a lot of points within the last like two and a half minutes. Or... I know. In a short I, time, whenever there's a lot of goals or points in a short time span, I just always think Reggie Miller. Even though I wasn't around, it's just oh, hey, they. But
1: hey, that's the joy of been, doing a live sports show when there's when there's games going on, right? We don't you don't usually get you usually don't have that happen. We just got very fortunate tonight that we had our two teams playing on national TV. Both games, by the way.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. But in any event, Johnny, I want to thank you again for jumping on and joining review preview when with all with most of us not being available i had a lot of fun getting to talk to you talk rant about the mlb lockout and i don't know about you but that made me feel a lot better because like i said if we had just kept all that in there we would have exploded
1: hey, And I uh, know what?
0: talking about the one team that makes me happy this one
1: absolutely and yeah i know i've had to get it out twice today and i'm sure this will not be the last time that i have to but uh yeah, no, this was this was great, Hank. Thank you. Yeah, no, I always feel back home when I'm on a review and preview show. So so thank you for having me again.
0: Oh, of course. And uh now before we sign off, Johnny, why don't you plug your new show? I hear you I hear you're part of a new show called Get Uh Game On.
1: Is yes, that- so I am I am I am starting a new show called Game On. It is premiering uh, Tuesday, March 15th at 3 p.m. Eastern. That is going to be on the Empty the Bench uh podcast network. Uh you can follow me on Twitter at Montebano, NY and also at game on ETB. And we will uh, definitely provide you more information as to when it starts. It's Tuesday, March 15th at 3 p.m. Eastern. So game on, we're going to be looking at games past, looking ahead to games in the future. We're going to have some, we're going to have surprises. I provide surprises at any time called the Monty moment, which I had one this morning. You can go check that out on the Twitter page at game on ETB. Yeah, it's it's going to be a fun show because we're going to look back at games that happened Prior to our show, we're going to be looking at games in the future. And you know what? It's like we just said a couple of minutes ago. We're starting right around when March Madness begins. So we're definitely going to talk to that. We're going to get as we get closer to the NFL draft. So there's even though baseball is not going to be around, we still have plenty of things to talk about. And, um, you know, it's going to to be a lot of fun. But I will still also be with you guys on Review and Preview when you need me to pinch hit and fill in. So uh, that doesn't take away from that. But, you know, I'm excited. Uh, It's going to be. A lot of fun. It's Game On Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, starting March 15th on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. And like I said, you can follow me on Twitter at Montalbano and and at Game On ETB for more information. Looking forward to uh, getting that going as well.
0: Awesome. That sounds good. I cannot wait to check out your new podcast. Unfortunately, I'm obviously, I obviously get out of work like right around the time that starts. But you know what? Not to worry. I will be more than happy to catch the replay whenever like I have some downtime with me cause I am definitely looking forward to see how it goes. And Hey, yep. if you're lucky and there's a day that I'm, and if there's a day that I'm not working, you are certain, I would be more than happy to come on if you ever want, if you ever needed me and Johnny, as always, I want to thank you again for not so much today, just everything you've really done for review and preview without you, Tom and I, I probably never would have met Tom and I, or, James and Kyle, for that matter. It's been a lot of fun on this review and preview journey. And once again, thank you for plugging in your new show. folks. Thank you, Hank. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And folks, before we go, don't forget to, if you want to find out where you can follow us on all of our social media. please don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Review and Preview Sports. And of course, if you, and of course, don't forget, we are simulcast on YouTube as well. If you would like to watch us live on YouTube, please don't forget to hit that big red button down below. Give us a like, give us a comment. We also post uh, post short videos on a, on probably a, a regular basis. So if you want to see more videos like this, and if you want to see more shorter videos of breaking news footage, we have got you covered. But folks, that'll about wrap it up for this week's episode of Review and Preview. I'm Hank Indictor, and I will talk to you guys later.